0: Welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. We're three sad souls, oh me, oh my. I'm Matzy and I have no brain. I'm Micah and I'm heartless. And our other co-host Marvin is so shy that I don't think I've ever heard him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, he's going to come into his own around episode 70, I'm sure. (laughs) So, this is Animation Celery and on it... Mike, uh, Matt C, and I, and Marvin, assign each other cartoons to watch, and then the next week we review and discuss them. This time, we're going to talk about sports-themed cartoons, or at the very least, cartoons that have sports episodes. Sports, sports, yeah.
0: sports, 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 sports,
1: sports. I'm big on the sports. Yeah. But you know the drill, all you celery stalker slogans. First, we do our freeform chat. So, Matsy, what do you want to talk about?
0: I want to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> okay. Let's Let's stick with the theme. Oh, okay. I got to make sure that my picks are recorded for posterity so that everyone can show me how wrong I am. All right. All right. Now, I posted this on Twitter a little while ago, so if you follow me on Twitter, you've already seen it, but I will codify it here. And also... As we were speaking, most of the series are like two games old, so it would mm. be easy for me to, for you to say that I'm just picking the winners and going with that, but it uh, turns out that's not what I'm doing, and I have uh. proof on Twitter. All right, so let's see. To start with, uh, let's start with the Western Conference, where the Colorado Avalanche are playing against the Nashville Predators, and I am picking for that series the Colorado Avalanche who are the second best team in the league. So no big surprise there. Uh, And then we have the Minnesota Wild versus the St. Louis Blues. And I'm picking the upset, the St. Louis Blues to win that one. And then there's the Calgary Flames versus the Dallas Stars. And I'm picking Calgary. And the Edmonton Oilers against the Los Angeles Kings. And I am picking Edmonton. Oh,
1: double Alberta.
0: Yeah, Alberta, Calgary versus Edmonton in the second round. How about Mm. that? I think that hasn't happened in like decades. Mm. Largely because Edmonton has been terrible. Right. Uh, And then for the Eastern Conference, we have the inexplicably good Florida Panthers. Like, we live in a world where the Florida Panthers are the best team in the NHL. What? There's
1: just some teams that do that. You know, that stink and then have off outlier great seasons, I guess.
0: Mm. Anyway, they're playing um, a legitimately good team, the Washington Capitals. Um, And I am taking a risk by picking the Florida Panthers, who have not won a playoff series since 1996. Mm. Uh, But I'm going to pick them to win this one. And then there's the Toronto Maple Leafs, another historically feudal team. Uh, Playing against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I am picking Toronto to win that one. What? Um, Not sure how that's going to go, but eh, series is tied 1-1 currently. Uh, What is the other one? We got, oh, the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Boston Bruins. And I'm going to pick Carolina in that one. And they're mm. currently up to nothing in that series, I believe. So, so far, so good for me. Mm-hmm. And then the New York Rangers versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I am picking New York in that one. And then, All right. so yeah, so then we got to go to the next, the next round just real quick. Uh, in my mind, it would be Colorado versus St. Louis. And I pick St. Louis for the upset. Whoa, you're already picking the next round. Oh, yeah, I'm going all the way to the finals. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do this every year. um, Okay. Yeah. Um, Then there's Calgary against Edmonton, and I'm picking Calgary. Florida against Toronto. I have actually forgotten who I picked in that one. (laughs) I think it was Toronto. Let me just double check here Uh, real quick. Where's my... There's my... Oh, man. The big smoke will go nuts. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah, I'm picking Toronto to beat Florida. I can only have so much faith in the Florida Panthers. Mm. Uh, and then Carolina versus the New York. Uh, I will pick Carolina in that one. Oh. So that means our conference finals are Calgary versus St. Louis and Carolina versus Toronto. And I am picking a St. Louis-Carolina Stanley Cup final with Carolina winning the Stanley Cup. The Carolina Hurricanes, Stanley Cup champions. Now, I will say that in all the time I have been doing this kind of thing where I've been picking the Stanley Cup playoffs Mm -hmm. uh, since 2006. Yeah. And my original my the team that I pick at the beginning to win the Stanley Cup Mm. has won the Stanley Cup once ever. In 2007, I correctly picked the Anaheim Ducks. Huh. Now, I came close in 2019. I said it would be Tampa Bay beating St. Louis in the Stanley Cup final. And then Tampa Bay lost in the first round. And so I changed it. I was like, okay, well, now I guess I'm picking St. Louis to beat Boston in the final. And that's what happened. So I came close. Mm. I came close. Not, I, I was wrong initially, but that's the thing. My original pick has only been right once ever. So, all those fans, <laughs> hockey fans <laughs> yeah. in Carolina. That's a joke. Yeah. Anyway, if there are any hockey fans in Carolina, don't get too excited that I'm picking your team to win the Stanley Cup, because that probably means they're going to lose.
1: No, 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 it means you're due. In fact, I think everybody should trade in their retirement savings plans. Hmm.
0: Lay some least
1: some Vegas bets right now.
0: Now Vegas isn't in the final in the playoffs. They missed the playoffs for the first time ever. No, no, it's it's a it's a place for sports betting hub. Oh, you can you know? bet wherever you want online. Well, true, true enough, true enough. I think there was one. I, I remember seeing a, an ad. Well, hearing an ad on a podcast for some betting site, and it was like it had this weird um, uh, top level domain. It was like. Mm-hmm. It was, like, ca or something. No, it wouldn't be CA. That's Canada. Um, right. But something... Are weird. you? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, something like that. And I went and looked it up, and it was, like, the Cayman Islands or something. Uh-oh. So I was like... <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> yeah. But, mm. um... Yeah. So... The cartoonish world of sports. I'm picking the Carolina Hurricanes over the St. Louis Blues. Hooray. Um... Other than that, I've been doing a lot of work. I am... Heading, yeah, I've been heading... In, I'm heading into a new job. This time next week... Is that right? Yeah, this time next week, I will have a new job. And I will be able to report on how that's going and hopefully have more free time because I haven't had a day off in three weeks because uh, my current job has no management. Hmm. Except me. And we'll, it'll have less. Yeah, yeah. Um. So... I don't really have a lot to comment on other than my Stanley Cup picks. But next week, next week, hopefully I'll be able to make up for it. I'll just binge a whole bunch of cartoons. I've got at least two that I want to watch as soon as I get the time. Mm. <sighs> um, how about you regale us uh, in the meantime, Micah? Okay. I finished Ranking of Kings. Hey, how'd that go for you?
1: Well, um, it's fun. It's interesting with great characters, but the plot let me down. Aww. Yeah. Um, Maybe it sets itself up uh, too well. You know, mm. it, it, same old story. It's easy to write Act 1, it's hard to act, write Act 3, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that Centaur World kind of... Well, I mean, you can debate how well the first act of Centaur World was written, but it, like it, you know kind of fell apart in the end it was sort of like oh shoot we got to resolve all this oh shoot we actually have to set it up before we resolve it
1: yeah well um ranking of kings does a really good job building all these characters and there's so much treachery in it but then they'll fill you in like why right whether it's reasons of uh chivalry or uh uh, compassion or whatever that these various characters are doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. um and so there's a fair amount of mystery in that, right? And it really sets you up to think, like, to to really think, what's going on here, right? Yeah. Um, but by the end, I kind of felt like, what what was the plan of the villains? You know, <laughs> oh. and it was it was so chaotic. It was just sort of like, it was almost like uh, I'll plan some some encounters for this adventuring party, and then <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and the villains also. Uh, fluctuate, right? Like, and it would have been nicer to see more inside them. Like, they spend so much time and yet they could have... So much time on secondary characters, I really would have liked to have seen what was going on in their head because I could sort of, if I'm making excuses for them, say that they have conflicted emotions and they're kind of like Hamlet where they don't know what to do and they end up doing everything, you know? Yeah, okay. Um. So, you know, despite that, though, there's some great stuff in there. Um just some really memorable characters and studio wit giving us the occasional bit of action. That is remarkable. Like mm-hmm. if anybody has watched attack on Titan, they, they really put a lot of emphasis on Levi's great action scenes, like ones that I'll still watch once in a while, just because they're so good. And <laughs> there's Bo- little Boji gets to do some stuff like that, where it's just like, you know, he's running along the wall and it caves in and this and that happened anyway. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, one thing about the show, though, uh, is that despite the way it looks and despite the fact that it's got whimsy and humorous characters, mm-hmm. it is grim dark secretly. Right. If you were to just watch it and not really think about it, you wouldn't realize it. But some of the most evil things you can imagine happen in this show. Huh. Um.
0: I like some one. evil. I like some, you know villains cool villains are cool but i also like evil that is like like dang that's evil man like i love a good villainous plot like the joker is not i always think the joker
1: is a little sanitized right that he can't be as evil because he would turn people off Mm. but like in ranking of kings they actually have a scene where a baby is tortured and executed Jeez. yeah like what And I bet people won't remember, like, if you put them like, oh, yeah, that happened. And even beyond that, though, uh, it'd be a big spoiler. So I don't say what it is, but but it's a supernatural kind of thing. You couldn't do this in real life, but it's so remarkably evil. And that's that's another thing that I, in general, I'm not that big on shows, but it happens here, too, where some villains get forgiven by characters in the show and by the perspective of the show itself, you know? Mm. Kind of like how Darth Vader gets to have a nice afterlife after being an accessory to the murder of billions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And it, it, and in this case, I just can't see it for some of these characters. Like, what you did is unthinkably awful. <laughs> and never, never mind personal grudges people might have. Like, you know, I got maimed in so many ways in this story. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, it it if they don't ever make anymore it has a good enough ending even though the ending is sort of like and so it goes right right so the little shadow clan puddle guy kage um he decides like all my work is done here and i thought they didn't end up going this way but i thought it would be nice if they made it so that he would actually be involved in other kingdoms Mm -hmm. and he would be like he would be the through line like in droids how c-3po and r2d2 have different masters right Not the case, though. I mean, you'll... But I I guess we won't see as much of some of the characters even more, even though that means more or less leaving behind the series' literal hot mama. (laughs) Yeah. The uh, Queen Healing. She's uh, a surprisingly deep, cool character. Hmm. And pretty sexy. Mind you, she's got... A nose like Pearl from Steven Universe. Oh. <laughs> so some sort of eye protection would be in order if you ever wanted to make out with her. Hmm. But,
0: Gosh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, po- what Rose would it be quartz. like to kiss Pearl? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I guess they don't really kiss, do they? They just fuse.
1: Huh. Do we see any kisses in that show? Hmm. Um... Do we see any between Steven and
0: uh, Connie? Uh, At the very, 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 very end of Steven Universe future, mm. there's a kiss. And it's not a big deal. It's like they do mm. it like they've done it before.
1: And uh, remember a movie called Roxanne, which is Cyrano de Bergerac. Uh, <laughs> it was Steve yeah. Martin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they try to kiss and they've got to do that thing where he has to turn because he keeps like bumping her cheekbone. <laughs> anyway, on topic, ranking of kings. It's pretty cool. It's it's not going to be that venerated because the because the plot doesn't hold up. I'm not going to put it in the same category as some of those other ones I hold really close to my heart. But uh-huh.
0: it's interesting and cool enough that, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing more. You you reminded me by saying yeah. the word Kage of something that I yeah. meant to bring up last week, but completely forgot about. OK. Um, in the Bots Master. <laughs> OK. <laughs> do you remember we were talking about, um when they were tracking down ninjas or or the the red dragon or whatever the guy's name was dragon Lee. Um, Right. And, and we were both thinking like, wow, it's kind of remarkable that the greatest ninja ever lived in the 20th century. Right. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that and it occurred to me that in feudal Japan, the time when ninjas were sort of a going concern, Mm -hmm. ninjas were really secretive like the the general population of japan ninjas were like a myth like they were so good at hiding their existence that people didn't really believe that ninjas were actually a thing
1: i imagine most of the time they were plain clothes too they weren't wearing their other pajamas so when you think about it
0: the greatest ninja of all time would have no record of his existence
1: well, that won't serve uh,
0: Ziv. Well, exactly. So what yeah. we're seeing is the the greatest ninja of all time of those who were actually missed the point enough to have a record of being a ninja. There was probably a sure. whole bunch of ninjas better than Dragon Lee or whatever his name was. Oh, well, he's like
1: a... Uh, well, no, I mean, he, he walks the walk, like he backs it up with like... Uh, exhibitions i guess where he's whooping on karate or judo guys oh
0: i'm not saying he doesn't know like martial arts and like ninjutsu and stuff yeah like like at the time that he would have existed the ninja as a you know hired assassin thing doesn't really have a place in the world as much Mm. it's more for show right it's like you know it's like bruce lee you know an actor tradition Yeah, yeah yeah So, yeah, I just think I, I sort of the <laughs> I actually made sense of one of the preposterous parts of the botsmaster, which is <laughs> there's a reason why the so-called greatest ninja ever lived in the 20th century. It's because all the better ninjas nobody ever knew about. Sure. Um, have I ever mentioned I, I was watching a video
1: where like a guy who practices the tradition was explaining the ninja run, the Naruto run. Oh, Okay. So everybody makes fun of that, right? Because yeah. it looks a little silly, right? Yeah. But I do like is the the explanation for it. It's not really about being faster. Okay. Um, what it is is about being not so noisy and leaving such incredible tracks through like mud and gravel with your like leaning forward kind of run. Hmm. Which, you know, so you you're not I guess if there was somebody actively looking for you, they'd still hear you. But in terms of like People who are having dinner inside, they wouldn't hear you running in your, in the mud if you were doing that special running technique, I guess is the idea.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can,
1: I can buy that. They have, um, uh, there are some ninja manuals that have been translated. Hmm. Some like classical. My friend uh, from work, this was years ago, he was, he was reading through them and he was sharing with me the tidbits from there. Okay. Which there's some really funny parts in there, like, uh, you know, uh. There, there are a few things that a ninja must always have in his equipment. And in the list was like a pencil was one of them. Huh. Um, you know, you need to write some stuff down or like advice on forming a human pyramid to get a start on climbing a wall. <laughs> you know, just some really conventional stuff like that or, yeah. you know, a sash because you can do all kinds of stuff where you can choke guys, you can get a little extra length of rope if you tie it to the end. and um, It's like the towel in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Pretty much. Have your sash. Um yeah, and and one of the things I thought was really funny was a bit that's like, um, yeah, you know, all that stuff you hear about ninja magic, that's just silly. Just forget about it. And then the next part is about spells you can do with paper, right? <laughs> like, you write one guy's name here, and you write another guy's name there, and then you fold it in such a way you can either make them friendly or unfriendly toward each other. <laughs> so it had its own little bits of superstitions, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, get back to the the cartoons that I watched, yeah, yeah, um, I continued on with my little pony, oh right, when I said they were gonna come in hard and focused, I was wrong <laughs> for two episodes for two episodes they did, and then they returned to the uh multi um species students of the school, oh, uh, yeah, so you know you haven't watched them, but they they basically when they formed the school, that was one of their big conflicts is opening it up to non ponies. Hmm. And so, when we're looking at the school, largely what we follow is a group of friends that includes yes, a pony, but also uh, a hippogriff, a changeling, mm-hmm. a griffin, mm-hmm. a yak, uh, and a dragon.
0: These various characters that they have introduced over the course of the series, I assume, Cause I new ones actually really, yeah, new. Oh, it it They're little kids. Because right? I remember, um, I remember an episode with I think it was a griffin, um. Who wanted the cutie mark crusaders to help her get her cutie mark. And the crusaders were like, um. No,
1: this one's a guy, I think. Oh, okay. They're also unusual in that they're half male in terms of having six six main characters for a season. Hmm, hmm. Um, I guess they sort of have taken over the cutie mark crusaders as the alternate focus, right? Um, okay. Anyway, they they're having some visions, like. They're having visions of Twilight Sparkle, except it's not Twilight Sparkle. It's an avatar of some kind of magical force that's guiding them. And, uh, they end up returning to school early, but when they learn, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna dump spoil all kinds of stuff, but it's been a billion years since the series ended, so it's your fault. Um, all right. Uh, the tree of harmony was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're shocked to learn that when they come back, but they decide that they're gonna, go there clean up and honor the the tree in their own way but even though we have seen these this group overcome their differences and work together in the past they've got to learn this this lesson again here they all want to have their own approach about how to honor the tree Mm. and in the end the the yak draws them together like oh we got to find something together that we all like right and they uh they decide what they're going to do is they're going to build a tree house (laughs) okay the tree is mostly crystalline, right? And they have all the debris and stuff in there and and the wreckage of the various failed projects they had to making like a monument, paintings, et cetera. Yeah, I'm so, just thinking,
0: didn't that tree get destroyed before and then turn into like the castle that Twilight lived in? Yes, yeah, so I guess I
1: guess this uh, tree has got some Messiah like resurrection capabilities. Hmm. Anyway, the one the thing that blew my mind is that they they even use the elements of harmony that were they're like they get busted, too. But, you know, nobody swept them up or, you know, put them in a in a box or anything. Anyway, <laughs> so they build this treehouse and it looks like garbage. Right? It's, it's made by a bunch of little kids, right? Yeah. But the spirit of friendship then makes it, as you said before, like the tree grows that big palace. Yeah. It makes it emerge upward through the soil and then create this big shrine that looks fantastic. It's a splendid shrine, right? <laughs>
0: All
1: right. My feeling is, what kind of message is that? They put so much work into that crappy treehouse, and now it's been overwritten as a nicely made thing. Hmm. I I think it should have been mostly pretty good looking, but should have had that cruddy house
0: on the top of it or something. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder. I wonder if there was some concern that if they had their characters like living in a questionable treehouse, that people would think right. that they were copying Adventure Time. Oh, but. I bet my eh. little pony is kind of beyond it's, comparing itself to other stuff. I think, I think it's, it has enough goodwill in people's minds that people aren't like, Oh, it's just trying to be popular. So it's trying to be like adventure time. Like, no, does adventure time have whole conventions devoted to it? Hmm.
1: I'm uh, probably one somewhere. Anyway,
0: I, yeah.
1: Of those kids. I like, um, I like the yak. I think his name is Yona. Hmm. Um, And I like the pony Sandollar. He's kind of a himbo, right? He's kind of an easygoing uh, dork. And he's got uh, three uh, turtles on his flank. And his name is Sandollar. Yeah. I know, I know. (laughs) He's, hey, you know, you don't get your, I think you get named first and then you get your cutie mark later, right? Well, clearly that's the whole point of the cutie mark crusaders. Right, right, right. And the cutie mark crusaders just have like, some funky chevrons right spoiler so from like oh no (laughs) seven years ago they got their cutie marks yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) i told you i was gonna spoil everything anyway well i think that's enough talking about my little pony
0: oh there's never enough talk about my little pony oh say that let's talk about more okay my little pony friendship is magic Uh, let's go hard into this show. Mike has been talking about it for a little while here. Um, and now I'm going to talk about it more. So My Little Pony is a toy line that was introduced by Hasbro in the 80s. Basically little colorful ponies. Uh, originally they were all girls and then they introduced big brother ponies. Um, but the idea is that they have like these cute little symbols on their butts and they have, uh, like hair that as girl toys did in the 80s that you can brush and like, I don't know, put bows in or style or whatever. And and like all toys, there was a uh, cartoon to back it up. Uh, My Little mm-hmm. Pony and Friends, I think it was because it was uh, it was also serving to promote the Potato Head Kids. and <laughs> OK. And Glow Worm. And there was another one, some kind of fairies, I think. I can't remember what it was. Mm. It was it was it wasn't as common, but um yeah. So My Little Pony is one of those toy brands that actually endured. Um, There aren't a lot of, like, you know, the Transformers did. uh, G.I. Joe survived to the modern day. Um, But My Little Pony is one that has always kind of stuck around, although it does get rebooted. They redesign the toys. Often they'll have a new uh, cartoon series to go with it. This that we're talking about here... Friendship is Magic, is, if I remember correctly, the fourth generation of My Little Pony. I think that's right. And it was created, developed for television by Lauren Faust, who is the, for those who care, the wife of Craig McCracken, who is the creator of the Powerpuff Girls. Hmm. Although, she's obviously done some good work in her own right. She's not just the wife. Oh, if anything, he's her husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So... In 2010, they started this new series, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, based around the idea of a unicorn named Twilight Sparkle, who is a bookish, um, not exactly, not unfriendly, but just more concerned with studying magic than socializing. She's a nerd. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, her only real companions that she care about are her sort of baby dragon, Spike, who's kind of a familiar, and her teacher, the goddess of the sun, Princess Celestia. And this isn't in the episode I'm going to talk about. This is just setting up the no. show. And ba- basically, mm. Twilight in the beginning was like, oh, there's a threat. I'm, I'm really worried about this. And Celestia is like, you worry too much and you don't spend enough time making friends. Go to Ponyville and make some friends. And so... The, s- the first season's concept was Twilight Sparkle going to Ponyville, making friends with five other ponies there. And her job was to learn a lesson about friendship every day and send a letter about what she had learned back to Princess Celestia. But in doing so, she also discovered that she and the five ponies that she made friends with are kind of superheroes. They embody... The six elements of harmony, which are the elements of French. There are five elements, generosity, Mm. loyalty, honesty, kindness and laughter, which when all five of these are present, produce the sixth element, magic. And so the ponies are Rarity, the snooty dressmaker who represents generosity. You have the best pony agreed. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> um. Also, with the best voice actress, uh, who I have talked about before, uh, Tabitha Saint Germain, mm. who's she was in uh, Alf Tales, and she's a star. Hmm. Uh, for honesty, what could be more honest than the down-to-earth farm girl Applejack? Hmm. Laughter is represented by the party crazy nutball Pinkie Pie. Kindness is embodied by a very quiet, timid, but animal-loving Fluttershy. Loyalty is best demonstrated by the tomboyish uh, Pegasus t- uh, Rainbow Dash. And then, of course, Twilight Sparkle is the avatar of magic in this world. And that later on, we'll learn exactly how much of an avatar she is. But that's the basic idea. And then they played with this idea over time. Like, in the second season, they abandoned the idea that Twilight had to send a letter to Celestia every day. Instead, Celestia wanted letters from everyone about lessons they learned about friendship. But only if they actually learned something. There's no obligation to send one all the time. And then it goes from there. It it was on for, I believe, nine seasons, plus a movie. And Mm -hmm. so... It went in all kinds of crazy directions, like Micah just demonstrated with the f- friendship school, and they're—I I don't even know what they're doing by the ninth season. Hmm. But I do know what they're doing in the fifth season, which is the one that I watched. Well, well, the one that this episode is from. Fifth or sixth? I think it's fifth.
1: I think it's—I think it's six. Is it six? Eighteenth, eighteenth of six, I think. Okay, fair enough. Buckball. Buckball. Yeah.
0: yeah. So the episode is called Buckball Season. So. Just to recap, we're past the point where Twilight has to send a letter to Princess Celestia, which is good because she's not in this episode. Uh, This episode opens, all the episodes cold open with a little setup. In this case, it's Applejack, and she is testing her distance bucking by shooting Mm. apples at a target. Rainbow Dash is interested, wants to know what's up. And Applejack explains that her cousin in Appaloosa, who we previously saw in a terrible episode, one of the worst of season Mm. one. Um, they have the the Apple family has this game that they play called Buckball and Brayburn, her cousin in Appaloosa, has uh, bragged that he can field the best Buckball team you've ever seen. And Applejack is like, oh, we'll see about that. Now, Rainbow Dash is all about this. Heck yes. Buckball rules. Uh, Except what is it? And then we get the opening. Uh. Se- title sequence. And now mm. it cuts immediately to Rainbow Dash explaining Buckball to some extent, or at least how cool it is, to Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy. They are going to put together a Buckball team to meet up with Brayburns and beat them in Appaloosa. Now, the rules of Buckball involve one of each of the three main types of pony in the world the Earth ponies, the Pegasus ponies, and the Unicorn ponies. But Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy both uh, notice that neither one of them are unicorns. The unicorns in their little group are Twilight, Sparkle and Rarity, who are both not present for reasons that are not mentioned. Hmm. But Applejack explains that what they're going to do is they're going to have tryouts with all the nameless background unicorns. And they're going to figure out which one is the best and add them to the team. And that's what Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy are there for, to be sort of the, the other team that they can play against. So, Applejack gets some unicorns together and explains the rules of Buckball. Basically, you have the Earth Pony, who their job is to shoot the ball at a basket. The Pegasus Pony is the goalie. They have to block the ball from entering the basket. And the Unicorn is the sentient goalpost who holds the basket up. Theoretically, Hmm. there is some skill involved in actually catching the ball, and it proves that this is... A considerable skill because none of the unicorns that they try out seem to get it. They're all afraid of the ball or, in one case, busy putting on lipstick.
1: Yeah, I think they were strong-armed to being there because they all seemed very scared of the... uh...
0: Yeah, well, they they all seemed like happy enough to... They picked up their baskets and like, okay, let's see what's up. Right. But also noticeable in this is Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy are also a little uncertain at first. But once they get into it, they really get into it. It turns out that they're really good. Fluttershy is such a great defender that she can only be beaten if she gets distracted by animals. And Pinkie Pie is basically just unbeatable. She has lightning reflexes. If only they had a unicorn to hold the basket. After all the unicorns wash out, some balls, well, as uh, Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy are playing around, they accidentally send some balls careening off into the distance where one of the recurring background ponies is walking along. There are two boy, young boy unicorns named Snips and Snails. And Snails, the tall, lanky one, is walking along with a couple of buckets of water. And when he gets the heads up that there's balls heading towards him, he effortlessly catches those balls in his tiny little buckets. He then demonstrates that he is able to do the same thing with a bigger bucket. <laughs> And there, they have their unicorn, but also they have their Earth Pony and their Pegasus Pony, because Rainbow Dash and Applejack have determined that Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy are even better than them. It's very humble of them. It is, yeah. It's surprisingly humble for... I mean, I would expect that from Applejack, because she's honest. She knows when someone's better than her. You you say that, but she probably
1: lies more than any character in the show. Well, she has to learn lessons. Right. (laughs) Um... But what did you think of Pinky's sports look? <laughs>
0: She's got her hair up in these two big puff balls. Um, I think it's more yeah. hair than she usually has, but I like the idea. You know, that's what Pinky would do. Like she would, she right. would have some kind of ridiculous look like that to play. So I'm into that. Also,
1: another another note for this for me is that uh, Fluttershy, one of her in, uh, innate skills is to handle the ball with her tail. Yes. And the like a horse or ponytail really isn't that long, right? No, it's mostly hair. Yes, it is.
0: So it's it's a little bit of cartoon logic there. Well, if you look at it, she's not really controlling it that much. She's just kind of pinwheeling her whole body. Yeah. Now, to be fair, like the her tail is not rigid, but whatever. I mean, right. heck, in this world, things are designed for people with hands. Like I remember an episode where. Oh, yeah, yeah. where they were like baking something and they had to take like a bottle of soda pop and it's like. Just like taking it in their mouth. And then like, how do they even open that right. with no hands? <laughs> anyway,
1: the, the instances where they just use their stumps, right? Yeah, yeah, they just yeah. like hold on to
0: things, you know, or slam coins down on the table or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Pinky and Fluttershy are kind of surprised that they have been chosen to be the team, but they do like playing buckball. So, OK, but now it's training time. Rainbow Dash has set up a ridiculous obstacle course for Fluttershy to make her moves through. And uh, Rainbow Dash becomes kind of a hard-ass coach. Uh, First, she demonstrates how to go through the obstacle course properly, which terrifies the timid little Fluttershy. And Fluttershy is not great at these drills, especially with Rainbow Dash hurling abuse at her. Hmm. Meanwhile... Pinkie Pie continues to be great at bucking balls around into that basket. She's unstoppable, Mm. but she becomes a little unnerved as Applejack starts talking about how the whole town and the Apple family and everyone is going to be counting on them. Over the course of the training, Pinkie and Fluttershy's skills degrade to uselessness. They don't know what the heck happened. Maybe they just need some rest. So they head home talking about how much they suck They're kind of worried about how everyone's depending on them, but they do kind of realize they've never heard of this game before and probably nobody else in Ponyville has either. So it probably doesn't actually matter as much as Flutter uh, as uh, Rainbow Dash and Applejack say it does that they win. They'll probably Mm. be fine. But then the next day, all the ponies in Ponyville are out decked in colors waiting at the train station to see them off like soccer hooligans. Uh, Pinky and Fluttershy are a little terrified, especially as Rainbow Dash and Applejack keep on impressing on them how important this game is. There's going to be a parade in their honor when they win. Princess (laughs) Celestia might even be there, which they still treat as a big deal, even though they are like pretty good friends with Celestia at this point. Right. Yeah. So on the train, they are left to their own devices to get into the zone, which Fluttershy doesn't really like the sound of, and neither does Pinky. They come to talk to Rainbow Dash and Applejack, and there's a funny moment here where their roles are reversed, where Pinky is kind of too shy to say what she's thinking. But one Mm. of my favorite gags that they do in Friendship is Magic is when Fluttershy gets mad. Right. She screams out that they they cannot handle this pressure. Being in the zone, the zone sounds like a horrible place. They don't want to play anymore because they can't handle this. And they're terrible at the game. They've already demonstrated this. Find someone else and they run away. Mm. Rainbow Dash and Applejack are kind of shocked and sort of wondering what the heck happened. But eventually they realize putting all this pressure on them, all this competitiveness, that's not what Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy do. Fluttershy just likes quiet reflection and Pinkie Pie likes just having fun. So now they got to figure out what to do. They track down Pinkie and Fluttershy hiding in the luggage car and they explain to them they don't have to play. They realize what they've done. Applejack and Rainbow Dash will play, but they do need some practice. So when they get to Appaloosa, all they ask is that Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy help them practice before the big game. No pressure, just have some fun, playing a little buckball. And so they do. And as they do, not in front of an audience with no pressure on them, Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy become as good as they used to be to the point that Snails is kind of left to nap because nobody, no balls are getting towards his goal with uh, Fluttershy being such an expert defender. And in the end, Rainbow Dash and Applejack explain they realized what they did wrong. The the other ponies, the ones voiced by Andrea Libman, don't thrive under pressure the way Pinkie Pie and Applejack do. And now that they don't have any pressure, they're good at the game again, better than them again. And so they ask him again to play the game against Braeburn and his team. But this time, don't worry about winning or losing. Just have fun. And so they do. The big game comes around with a big crowd, but with Snail's advice to just not think about it, they are able to play at their previously demonstrated skill and win the game by a score of six to five, which seems like a low score for this. And I'm kind of betting that it works like tennis where there are multiple sets that we didn't see. Oh, right. <laughs> so the fourth point they get is 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 40 love. Yeah. Well, six apples, according to the scoreboard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they win. Um, Braeburn is pretty amazed at the team that Applejack was able to put together. And uh, the ponies just explain they don't think about it. They just have fun. Heh, <laughs> almost an insult. Kind
1: of. <laughs> so I wish they'd spent more time on that game.
0: You know, like shown us some drama in it. Yeah, it was kind of the, you know, I realize that that's your wheelhouse, but the game was really secondary. I thought they yeah. were going to spend more time with snails. Like, they made well, such a yeah. big deal about finding this unicorn. And then he turned out it's, to be the most useless part of the team. Well, like, I think they're supposed to be able to move
1: the the goal bucket,
0: they, right? They are, yeah. It's just that the goalies and are so good that it never gets that far. They should have,
1: I mean, we're talking about flash animation. It would have been easy. They should have shown that bucket easing left and right, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they kind of get... This show can be a little uh, predictable sometimes. Yeah. And it would have been fun if an alternate take was that, you know, easier said than done, not thinking about anything and the pressure gets to them, but Snails carries them through the first half of the game.
0: Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, you're right. Like shooting that bucket around and catching every ball. Um, Further, this is this is Pony Quidditch, basically, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about the goaltending dynamics for the Pegasus goaltender, Mm -hmm. right? Like, not only do you have to be in the way of the bucker, but you have to have some idea of where the net that where the bucket is behind you, theoretically,
0: right? Theoretically, although I think if you just get in front of the ball, you're more than halfway there. Well, it would be good if it had like walls to ricochet
1: to, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, Um,
0: (laughs) we're thinking of ways to improve this made up sport.
1: Oh, I was also thinking, what if we applied this to a sport that exists like hockey, for example? Hmm. What if They had a sixth skater, a unicorn, if you will, whose job it was to push around the other team's net, right? (laughs) So (laughs) that goaltender has to chase down the net. Um, In the early days of hockey, there
0: was a sixth player. Uh, Yeah. The position was called Rover and they could kind of just move wherever they wanted. Oh, yeah. Um, Hmm. I guess it was just kind of redundant or maybe it was leading to not enough. Most of the rules changes that have happened in the history of hockey have been because not enough goals are being scored. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
1: what a flawed game <laughs> but again like thinking thinking about that pegasus goaltender right uh-huh. because because the angle of the shot could change so dramatically behind you you have to like think about it right do you drop back do you ch- do you challenge do you race toward the earth pony to cut down the angle you know mm. yeah so let's let's have another episode about buck balls what i'm saying yeah okay M- maybe in the new generation they can have uh buck balls a callback yeah
0: by the way have I mentioned that mm. there are at least two episodes of the Owl House that involve made-up sports? Oh, you say, you don't say. I do say, yeah, you should uh. Uh, You should maybe check that out. Grudgeby yeah, is yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It has a, it has a funny joke in it where there's, um like, they're playing really well, but mm. then something happens, like, the, the jerk player they're playing against is like, yeah, well, I did this thing. So I got a million points in one and loses oh, and loses really is like, like Quidditch. Well, loses like what, what is the point of the rest of the game? Then there's this right. one rule that means that one team automatically wins that defeats the whole purpose of it. Like, okay. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's an amusing joke. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes wonder
1: about that for like all these sports that we carry forward. Like you say that need rules just to make them <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> Like in the modern well, day, would we, would we design sports like this? Oh, sure. I don't think yeah. so. Well, yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, <laughs> the there have been very few sports that have been invented from nothing in recent years. Do you remember slam yeah. ball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the, tr- the trampoline basketball. Basketball on trampolines. I remember watching <laughs> some of that and like there was like the camera on the coach talking to the team and I'm like. Who is a slam ball coach? Like this grizzled slam ball <laughs> veteran from the 40s who knows everything about the game? <laughs> sure, makes them all like carry
1: buckets that are filled to the brim and makes them bounce on a trampoline. Don't spill it. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, drop. yeah, don't spill yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's see, my little pony. Um, obviously this well, show a... is a sensation. Yeah. Um,
1: when, when you look at it again, it sure is nice to look at. Like, a lot of shows are made like this, mm-hmm.
0: but this is a nicer looking show of this sort of flash animation look. I've always liked the way... I, I think the eyes on the characters are maybe a little too big, but... Okay. Th- that's just my opinion. But I love the way this show looks. Like, I remember back in 2010, I heard some people talking about ponies, and I have a friend who was into My Little Pony, and I was like, hey, people are talking about this. What is that? And mm. And she's like, oh, there's a new series called Friendship is Magic. And so I went to YouTube and found an episode or half an episode back in those days when YouTube had time limits. And I watched this one episode and I was instantly hooked immediately. I was like, this show is legitimately great. And that's Mm. the thing about it is like, it's kind of a meme how popular it is among male fans, bronies, if you will. There have been parodies Mm. of it. Um, Bob's Burgers, I've mentioned previously, did a parody episode. But the thing is, it's popular because it's so good. This is one of the better cartoons that's come out in the last 20 years. Hmm.
1: Maybe that's why I feel disappointed is because I have an expectation Mm. that every episode is going to be clever or, you know, have a good plot, and some of them are just kind of, you know, throw away whatever. Well, but,
0: the first season had some stinkers in it.
1: Sure. Yeah. I feel like it's just... Part of it, too, is it's just around too long. The inspiration mm. is sort of dry, you know? Yeah. Maybe it got out at the right time. Well, probably a few years behind the right <laughs> time, in my opinion. But yeah. anyway, this episode, despite not having Best Pony, mm. um... I made sure to pick an episode with lots of bucking in it. Yep. You know, bucking here, bucking there. It's a real buck fest. Yeah. I just knew that Pinky
0: would be a natural born
1: bucker. Mm hmm. Yep. Mm hmm.
0: No, That's just, where I'm going with that. This is a fine. <laughs> yeah, this is a fine episode. Um, Obviously, there are better ones. Obviously, there are worse ones. But hey. Yeah. Nothing wrong with this. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Surprisingly, good show. Um, I'm getting a phone call. Hang on a
1: second. Oh goodness. Uh I guess I gotta carry stuff in the meanwhile. Uh uh so yeah, as I was saying about the show, I'd say one pejorative you could say about the look of My Little Pony is it looks a little mobile game like. You know, crystals and stuff and all the textures. Okay, I'm I'm back. I was just filling time. Okay. All right, great.
0: Uh what were we talking
1: about? Uh we were talking a show that was a pretty good example of the show it was. The, an alright episode uh, for My Little Pony. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess that dovetails into a pretty acceptable example of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Is that what yeah. we're going?
0: Yeah. Now, all right. Well, let's reserve judgment on quality.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Um, you guys all know who the Mario Brothers are. There are a couple of hard-working fellas in overalls and caps, Mario & Luigi, from too many video games to count. Their landmark game, Super Mario Bros., arguably saved the home video game industry. And then riding high on the release of the American version of Super Mario Bros. 2, this property achieved a higher plane of brand synergy with a cartoon. Hmm. The Super Mario Bros. Super Show serialized the adventures of Mario & Luigi and their Super Mario 2 co-stars, Princess Toadstool, and a mushroom guy named Toad. The lore of the show is that the Italian plumbers were sucked down a warp zone. I see, warp zones look like water pipes, they do. (laughs) Uh, And into the Mushroom Kingdom, a weird world where they must aid Princess Toadstool in a struggle against the despotic turtle dragon named King Koopa. The show as a whole split its screen time between a cartoon and live action segments featuring world wrestling star captain lou albano as mario he also provided the voice for the cartoon
0: and shaved his hoagie beard <laughs> right good thing he's got a mustache you wouldn't believe how much
1: this guy has appeared on our podcast um yeah maybe he's got like a little a little sub half a sub in that sound sam- and that uh, mustache um so uh, you would see Mario from Monday through Thursday and then on a Friday, you got a special treat and rather a cartoon based on the other Nintendo property, The Legend of Zelda. But today ain't Friday unless it is, but regardless, you're going to get one of the Mario episodes. By the way, um, I had this joke that I made up, but, you know, I guess if you uh, just sit on your joke for long enough, somebody famous gets the same idea. <laughs> um Pete Holmes uh, was talking about uh, acceptable racism, like wh- why, why, why are s- is some racism so- uh, acceptable in in society? And his was uh, and mine for that matter was Italians, mm-hmm. like why is it okay to go like, hey, it's a pizza pie or like, it's a me Mario? <laughs> You're gonna get a lot of that though. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you get it. You get the stereotypical Italian more in the modern day, Mario. This is more the oh, yeah. Ma- the Brooklyn yeah. Italian, like the godfather.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, we say it's acceptable, but I don't think you would do it like around an old Italian man who had that accent, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Okay, so the episode we're going to look at is the great BMX race that is motocross bicycling. Uh, written by Tony Marino in 1989. So at the start, our appetite gets whetted for fun with a live-action segment called Mamma Mia, Mario. At their bizarre home slash place of business... The brothers lounge in garbage and <laughs> gorge on pizza. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they're slovenly. The phone rings, though, and Luigi digs out the receiver from under the piles of pizza and then has a conversation with their aggressive mama. The plumbers panic because their mama is coming over. This is a theme for their animation celery, too. Uh, and they hurriedly clean... To, and make a salad in order to put up respectable appearances.
0: <laughs> I love that. Just, see, we have a salad. <laughs> Just sitting yes. out, see how healthy we, we own are. We one. Yes.
1: <laughs> As I recall, their telephone is always embedded in pizza mm. in, in other episodes. <laughs> um, and the other thing, that, this this has like a laugh track. Yeah. One thing I think is really funny is the idea of these people doing all these zany things to no sound. Yeah. Right. So like Luigi answering the phone, uh what's his name, the actor? I mean, he's he's picked up the phone and he uh he's acting like, yeah, oh hello oh, oh, <laughs> you Because <know? laughs> you can't hear the uh the yeah. coming from the receiver or the uh you know. And of course, I I would bet no laughter is going on in that studio. Oh yeah, so.
0: no, there's probably there is definitely no audience. There's just some cameraman staring at them. Yeah, and maybe that's even generous. <laughs> maybe they stepped away from the camera. <laughs> um
1: so Uh, While Mario takes the garbage off stage, Mama enters through the front door and she looks quite a lot like Mario in a hairnet, dress, and shawl, except that her mustache is more realistic. (laughs) So we're going to leave behind this, uh, this excellent theater for some cartoon time. And we get a little reprise of the theme song, a second opening credits, if you will. So the Gang of Four is crossing the Desert Kingdom. The brothers are powering a bicycle built for two, kind of a weird one, uh, while Toad and Toadstool ride in a bathtub pulled like a wagon. Hmm. Now, you see, Mario is a two-dimensional character. He likes Italian food, and everything else he does relates to plumbing, hence a bathtub wagon. Yes, yes. So the group comes under literal fire from the fiery elemental bad guy Fry Guy. It's because Toad, apparently, is indebted to him to the tune of 60 gold coins. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, but apparently Toad has enough debts that it sounds reasonable to him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help playing the Yoshis! Anyway, so... The fry Guy gives, the, gives Toad until sundown to get the money. Otherwise, I guess he's gonna burn his thumbs. <laughs> so... As apparently they've lost all their funds, they've been stolen by King Koopa. Fry Guy suggests that they could win the money in a
0: BMX race going on that afternoon. You know, this, the idea that Toad owes Fry Guy money and all their money was stolen by Koopa suggests Mm. that there's like an overarching story to this show, which is not there. (laughs) I don't, no, I don't think so. But
1: uh, anyway, I don't mind the setup. I think it's pretty good. So Mario and Luigi are pretty confident on their tandem bikes chances in the race. But their three competitors turn out to be their foes. Mouser, a bomb-hucking mouse in sunglasses. Triclyde, a three-headed snake. And just some Koopa Troopa. But maybe it's a Hammer Brother Koopa. Yeah. Because he, maybe he switched his regular helmet and
0: pads for bicycle helmet and pads. You know, I was thinking, like, maybe it's a Hammer Brother. Um, yeah, I know he's not. But, but yeah, then he throws something that isn't a hammer. And I was like, aw. Yeah. Um He's closer to a spike, actually.
1: Sure, sure, yeah. Um, So I guess there's no starting pistol, (laughs) since the Marios just get a big head start while the villains are posturing. Uh, While Toadstool and Toad are watching the race with binoculars, they glimpse King Koopa around, no doubt plotting something underhanded. Anyway, Mario and Luigi squander their lead by stopping at an Italian restaurant. I don't think that's part of Koopa's plan. I think it's just there. Yeah,
0: it it really looked like... You know, if this was any other cartoon, this would be like a facade that the villain had built and there was like a jail cell inside or something. But apparently this is actually a restaurant.
1: Yeah, that would have been better than their plan, right? But I I guess the restaurant was there and that's why he put the race here, knowing that they could. Anyway, anyway, um, (laughs) so the princess and her mushroom servant are captured by the bad guys and they're wrapped up by a sad looking cobrat. That's a snake guy like a one headed triclide. Yeah. This is, then the dirty racers run Mario and Luigi off a cliff, but Mario fires a grappling plunger against the cliff and reels their bike back up to the road. The bad guy riders further cheat by turning on their secret bicycle engines. <laughs> Lucky for the side of good, Toadstool and Toad escape the snake by wriggling when he breathes out. The escapees steal. Koopa's bike, I guess, in order to help. <laughs> um, Koopa's little
0: bike with a basket on the front and everything. With a basket, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's where he gets his groceries, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, there's an exchange of fire. Tomato sauce versus Bob-ombs. The Mario Brothers' bike wheels get sh- wrecked by shrapnel, and then the brothers are surrounded. But they give them the slip and find a garden in the sand dunes. <laughs> In a very literal translation of Super Mario 2, they hurl giant vegetables at Mauser, the Koopa Troopa, and Triclide and defeat them. You know what? And then it's Koopa's. I, <laughs> I totally
0: didn't get cop until just now the significance that that's of the Super Mario vegetables. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. Just thought it was a weird non
0: sequitur, hey, but okay.
1: There happens to be a garden over there. Yeah. Um, so it's King Koopa's fate as well to have to retreat while getting beaned by vegetables. Yeah. Uh, And then we're back to campy live action. Luigi glumly cleans with uh, underneath the stern broom swats of his mama. When mama exits off stage, then Mario returns. And after a preview of Friday's episode of Legend of Zelda, mama leaves because Luigi faked that she had won the lottery. The doorbell rings and Luigi runs to get a real winning lottery ticket just in case. (laughs) But instead of mama, it's Aunt Luigina. And it's over! End credits. Do the Mario. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so, m- most of these Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Like, I guess you hadn't gotten much story in Mario Brothers up to this point. Mm. And most of the time, they just uh, put these characters in some genre or parody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, this is. We're going to parody the movie Rocky. Or we're going to parody Star Trek. Stuff that makes no sense. It's like the third season of Care Bears, right? They, I guess they thought this premise was thin. Well. <laughs> Super Mario. <laughs> oh, they, they've, in a strange thing, they've melded together the ba- bad guys of traditional Mario and Super Mario 2. So you have Mauser and Tri-Clyde and Vryguy. And um, but King Koopa is the ultimate bad guy. And he has, he has Koopa Troopas, which funny enough, seldomly even appear in 3D games anyway.
0: Yeah, it's... There are two things that I like about this show. Only two. Okay. And one of them is that it is the very few pieces of Mario... canon, I guess we call it, that acknowledges Super Mario Bros. 2 existed. Oh, yeah. Super Mario 2 is... Because obviously it was a different game in Japan. I guess that's not obvious if you don't know it, but it was... Uh, Doki Doki Panic was the name of it. And they just kind of spliced Mario characters into it when they realized that the actual Super Mario Bros. 2 that they had made was way too hard. Uh, it's the Lost it's Levels now. Too. Yeah. Um, and very few pieces of Super Mario 2 have continued on. The concept of the bomb has, the sentient bomb. And... Shy guys and sometimes and Shy guys, yep. But other than that... Mm. Oh, and then it took them until... Years and years later, later when they made uh, Super Mario 3D World, to get the idea of choosing one of the four characters, with you Oh, know, Peach has the ability to float. And by the way, Peach is Toadstool. You could argue, although there's also an argument well, to yeah. made that it's a different person.
1: No, I don't think so. Well, because she was she's always been Peach. And then for Westerners, it was it was really weird. In Super Mario 64 that begins with her letter where she signs it, uh, Princess Toadstool, Little Paws, Peach.
0: Yeah, but also what? she turned blonde. Ha, Actually, no. That's a weird Wait thing. a minute. Now that I think about it, that happened in Super Mario World. Yes, but
1: her end picture looks quite redheaded, doesn't it? Uh, her end credit picture? I don't remember. Huh. Yeah, because, you know, there's not that many colors hmm. in the palette of the... Uh, the NES. Oh, I, so wasting a whole color on yellow is kind of tricky. I right? totally so understand originally. the reason.
0: Like her hair was red yeah. in Super Mario Brothers one and brown in Super Mario Brothers two and three, and it's brown right. here. I kind of like this design actually mm-hmm. for Princess
1: Toadstool, and you know I like uh, Genie Elias as her voice. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I would have minded if they kept up with this. No, I like I like Toadstool as she is now, kind of a bimbo really. Hmm. <laughs> You know what irony, though? So, the first... We're talking about graphical limitations. For a long time, Daisy was just that <laughs> uh, that princess in Super Mario Land, and she only existed as black on a green screen, right? Yeah. So, in my imagination, I always imagined that she was the blonde one. Huh. Turns out I had it mixed up. Yeah. Anyway, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, stuff tributes to this cart. <laughs> Maybe I just like this... Uh, Toadstool design. Well, um,
0: yeah. I mean, there are... <laughs> there's two more series of Super Mario Brothers cartoons. That's true, that's true. Um, I... You mentioned the voice. The other thing that I like yeah. about the show is the, actually the voices. Yes. Now... Harvey Atkin is King Koopa. Oh, it's perfect. So good. It's perfect. That is the perfect voice for Bowser. A shame he... He's... he's be- yeah, way better than
1: a lot of the video game voices they've given him. Not that he's had a I lot. Mean, he's dead now, unfortunately. So we can't ever get oh. him again, but... I think everybody but Jeannie Elias is dead from the show, but. Oh, I, yeah, actually, per, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. John Stalker is toad and it says he's Fry Guy. Yeah. And my heart wanted it to be James Avery, <laughs> but I guess not. No,
0: I could tell that it was you the know, same for, guy. Yeah. Hmm. And like his voice is really grating. But then if you listen to the actual voice that they gave Toads canonically in later games, yeah, that's what he sounds I like. Wonder, I wonder if this is the inspiration for all Toad voice. I wonder that too. That same thought occurred yeah. to
1: me. It was my two cats removed. That was the voice I always gave my cat. <laughs> it's kind of stemmed from, I, was, I just started dating my girlfriend and she'd watch me play on like virtual console. I was playing Super Mario 3. Uh-huh. And every time it came to go into a castle, I would just voice out of nowhere.
0: Oh, it's terrible! (laughs) The king has been transformed. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) he's got a bit of a Brooklyn accent too, doesn't he? The king has been transformed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So the voices are okay. The uh, the including stuff from Super Mario Brothers two is cool. Everything else about it is bad. Uh, I don't mind when they go to Super Mario 3. I don't
1: mind the characterization of some of the Koopa kids. I do a lot. You oh, hate them? Oh, boy. <laughs> they're, well, they're pretty annoying. And they, they sing a lot, too. Yes. Actually. Ugh.
0: Um <laughs> I remember I actually purchased a box set of the Super Mario Brothers 3 show. The Adventures of yeah. Super Mario Brothers 3, it's called. Um, Yeah. And I watched the first episode until it got to a musical number and I was like, oh, I can't do this. And then I it's pretty pretty terrible. (laughs) And I gave it away as a Christmas present to a friend who was into (laughs) Super Mario Brothers at the time. You gave away the uh, cursed monkey's paw as (laughs) a present. (laughs) You watch this garbage because I can't. (laughs) Um, But the animation is bad. There's a sequence where they're riding along and Mario is combing his mustache. Uh, that was weird, wasn't it's, it? And then he's like bopping he's, around to the he music. He says nothing, but his lips move yeah. like he's saying something. It's this extended period of silence, and then he starts <laughs> yeah. bopping to this music, like there was yeah. dialogue that they cut because they realized it was too dumb or something. Sure. But Man. Oh man! Yeah. Go on. No, I, I, that's just an explanation of uh, ex, sure. ex exasperation. Man. Okay. Yeah.
1: A lot of this show, I think, is just done on the fly. Like, <laughs> oh. I was thinking about the uh, the end for the infamous Do the Mario. Yeah. So it's a dance move, apparently, yeah. right? But there's like no coaching. I don't think Captain Lou gave it any thought what the Mario would look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just him fumbling around while they uh, impose him on various parts of the background. Oh,
0: they. I. Per- mm.
1: Yeah, go on. I was right.
0: going to say they, they didn't care about this show at all. Like, yeah. it was promoted in the Nintendo Power at the time, but do you remember its time slot? Boy,
1: I'm pretty sure I watched this at like 7 a.m. or something like that. The time slot of this show
0: was yeah. 2.30 on weekdays,
1: Rough. which is
0: to say half an hour before kids got out of school. Hmm, Okay. We had to, I had to get my mom to videotape it so I could watch it. And I remember, I right. remember being excited the first day. I was like, oh, it's going to be the big premiere. It's going to be great. And then I got home and my mom had taped it. And she was like, mm. it was pretty dumb, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> she watched it. She, she yeah. watched it, yeah. And she was like, it's something like this, this uh, bird thought that Toad was her baby or something. And it was, right. and. Yeah, who for a fan of Nintendo games who was looking for everything he could get, this was embarrassing. You know, people might
1: find this ironic, uh-huh. uh, but I, I bet I bet a lot of people were in the same boat. I thought this was pretty dumb, <laughs> right? But boy, I'd be looking forward to Friday when the good one came on. Oh yeah, <laughs> Legend of Zelda. Although, speaking of good voices, for Ganon, also a great voice that I love to hear all the time. <laughs> Burt Raccoon, yep. right? For yep, Ganon? that's him. Yeah. That's yeah. him.
0: I can't remember the actor's name. Super good. Yeah.
1: Actually, I even don't mind the way they portrayed the world, even though it was
0: seemed surprisingly small. Mm. I think the problem... But then again, the yeah. The problem that I had as a stickler was yeah. that at this point, uh, Zelda 2 had come out. And so there was a whole bunch more enemies and stuff to draw from, but also the third Triforce. And so like the Legend of Zelda cartoon, I mean, maybe we'll talk about that separately someday. I know my sister would like to talk about it, but yeah, Mm. this is like, oh, there's, we have the Triforce of Wisdom and Ganon has the Triforce of Power. And whoever has both Triforces can rule the world. And I'm sitting there going, there's three. You know,
1: well... Again, I nice still save it. <laughs> Make this about the cartoon that I really like. Mm. Super Mario Bros. Uh, it's okay. It's not even okay. It's infamous for He's, a reason.
0: I, I think this is bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. I'll I'll go along with you. It's bad. But it's bad in at least a somewhat entertaining way.
0: Um, I had a hard time. It's, it's so bad. I cringe. Like, uh, it, it's embarrassing. It's just an embarrassing cartoon, in my opinion. Um... Mm. Well, maybe we can find other ways to embarrass ourselves. How about uh, next week? Um, Mm -hmm. next week, I came up with the idea that we should do more shorts. But this time, I pointed out that whenever we do shorts, we never have a theme. We stumble into one sometimes, but we never go into it thinking, let's do shorts about blank. And so I said, Mm -hmm. it's been raining way too much around Vancouver. I want to take off my winter coat and put on my Spring hoodie, but it's just not letting me. So I pulled out of my butt the idea that we could look at shorts with a rain theme. And I did this without actually having any in mind. So I had to scramble for some. And I came up with two. Sure. Micah, I want you to watch an old Looney Tune called I Wanna Be a Sailor. Okay. And. Something from the National Film Board of Canada, which we haven't watched Neat. since last July. Mm. It is called S-P-L-A-S-H, Splash, abbreviated like M.A.S.H. Right.
1: Okay, got it. Okay, for you, Matsy, uh-huh. I have chosen, uh, these are not so classic, I guess, in terms of time frame. No. From 2016, The Song for Rain. Straight out of Korea, The Song for Rain. sounds familiar. I guess I'll find out what it is. Maybe. And then, chosen from China in 2017, The Song of the Rain. Ooh, this is going to get confusing. (laughs) Yes, The Song for Rain in 2016 and The Song of the Rain in 2017. Okay. Well... I went very literal, I
0: guess. Well... We both, <laughs> hey, I I did my own Google searches for Looney Tunes, rain, yeah. Mickey Mouse, rain, anything rain. Come on, give me something. <laughs> yeah. I picked this theme now. Give me something. Anyway, yeah, come right. back for some uh, rainy day fun next week when the rain will probably have stopped. But in the meantime, be sure to share this show with all your friends, because come on, we're talking about My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. This might be our peak. Let us know if you think it's our peak and tell us about some of your favorite sports episodes or sports cartoons. Might I suggest the episode of the Simpsons where they played hockey and it was treated as a big uh, climax, even though if Lisa had done her job, it would have been a tie. Oh, I'm at AC Matzy.
1: Right. And I'm at Drab's Now I'm going to throw to the Celery Stalker's slogan in a second. But um, hey, do you like Celery Stalker's slogans? Then send in a self-addressed stamped padded CD envelope and 10 cents. And we'll burn for you a CDR of all 58 slogans. Plus, we'll even throw in this, the 59th Celery Stalkers slogan.
0: There's no way that we can get in the zone because the zone sounds like a horrible place, since we are terrible at buffball, and we are going to lose and let everybody down. And we don't wanna play anymore!